This is MQ's Open Mind, the show where we look at the science behind mental health and its potential to transform lives. I'm Lucy Horton. Welcome to the first ever MQ's Open Mind. In today's episode, we're going to talk about depression, which is now the leading cause of disability worldwide. It's long been thought that this condition is all in the mind and people are often treated with antidepressants. But what if there's more to it than that? What if depression is actually caused by something in our immune system? This potential breakthrough could transform the way we treat depression. So today I'm speaking to Carmen A. Pariente, Professor of Biological Psychiatry at King's, who's been piecing together evidence about this topic for 20 years. Hello Carmen A, thank you so much for coming in and chatting to me today. Hi Lucy, thanks for having me. It's really great to have you here and every episode I ask my guests what the one question is they'd like answering above all others about mental health. So before I get into all the nitty gritty about the immune system and depression, can you kick off the episode by telling me what the one question you'd like answered above all others is? I would like to know why some people, when facing a life event, develop depression and other people don't. This is a key question that we still cannot address. Yes, we know that genes are important. We know that upbringing is important. We know that our social support and the life situation we are at the time that we encounter the life stress is important, but yeah. actually we don't know how all the pieces of the puzzle first, all the pieces of the puzzle have to combine in order to have resilience or sensitivity and vulnerability to depression. Yeah, I guess it would be key in understanding how to treat it as well if we could work out what that resilient combination is wouldn't it absolutely and imagine also understanding treatment that could start earlier so for example identify people that are at risk of developing depression Mm -hmm. and perhaps teach them resilience skills early in their life yeah absolutely so that kind of leads us quite nicely on to talking about depression and inflammation um, and I've seen quite a lot of this about in the news, it keeps popping up, there's lots of papers around, um, but I really just want to get back to basics and for you to describe exactly what you mean by inflammation and why this is having an impact, could be having an impact on depression. So the immune system is a combination of cells circulating in our blood, okay. um, accumulating in our spleen and our lymph nodes that protect us from virus and bacterial infection are what we usually call white cells that we can measure using simple blood tests. Now, we know that if we get infected, if we have a flu, if we have a severe infection, our immune system gets activated because the cells go out there and fight the infections and try to help us survive. Now, the immune system also gets activated during stress. And why is that? Well, imagine when you were living in a cave, you know, in a jungle, million years ago. Okay. Then... I'm picturing it. (laughs) Well, then every encounter with the stressors would mean an encounter with a predator, with a potential risk for life and risk of fight, wounding, and, of course, infection at a time where we didn't have antibiotics. So it's perfectly normal that our immune system gets activated under condition of stress. Even today, when obviously most stressors don't imply uh, physical threats. Lion, <laughs> exactly. Why do you think that's interfering with the way that depression forms then? 
So the persistent activation of the immune system yeah. that you have under condition of chronic stress okay. slowly changes brain function. For example, it makes cells less able to communicate between themselves because it um, reduces the availability of uh, molecules like serotonin, which are messengers between cells, which are good for healthy mood. It also, in general, disrupts the birth of new brain cells in the brain. So it's like when we're under constant stress, which people often are in day-to-day life these days, um, the stress is quite long-lasting, and it's like our immune system is just constantly activated, and that's actually affecting the different mechanisms in the brain. Exactly. And the problem is that, of course, in everyday life, the stressors tend to be much more chronic. Poverty, unemployment, um, difficulties at work or difficulty in family life. Mm-hmm. This tends to be a situation where, um, that are difficult to change. Is it that our brain isn't adapting to that situation? Well, until our brain perceives the situation as stressful, yeah. it will keep... Uh, activating it will keep, in that way. It will keep activating the immune system, absolutely. So, obviously, at some point, there may be an element of adaptation to the situation so that it's no longer perceived as stressful. And that at that point, our body reaction also changes. But until we perceive something as stressful, the whole body reacts with it. We know that we've seen that stress causes inflammation, like you just talked about. Um, But you've seen that there's a correlation between inflammation physically and depression, and that's where you kind of got this idea from, is that right? Yes, so there's lots of evidence about this. So for example, if you take the, if you measure inflammation in the blood of the depressed patient, Mm -hmm. and you can do that by measuring white cells or by measuring substances that are produced by the white cells. Yeah you have higher level of this, what we call inflammatory biomarker. So in other words, there's evidence that these immune cells are activated. Not all depressed patients have increased inflammation, probably about a third to 40%, mm-hmm. but for this subgroup, it's quite consistent. Now, there is also other evidence. If you suffer from a disorder, a medical disorder that has at its core a hyperactivity of the immune system, for example, an autoimmune disorders, a rheumatoid arthritis, or condition that brings inflammation through metabolic problems, diabetes, um, coronary heart disease. Okay. All these conditions have an increased rate of depression. We used to think that it was related to just the disability and to the fact of knowing of being ill. Yeah. But we now know that actually it's partly mediated by this increased activity of the immune system in this medical condition. And the third, perhaps even more interesting piece of evidence is that if I, if I give you a drug to activate your immune system, okay. which sometimes we do f- to fight infection, you will get depressed. Wow. You will fight the infection, but the price that you pay, you will also get depressed, maybe only for a few days or weeks, your mood will change. So all this evidence together are kind of forming this picture where activation of the immune system is causally related to depression, at least a subgroup of depressed patients. So are we talking about different depressions here or are we talking about one depression so if you've got depression that's caused by inflammation you're saying that's only a third of patients and then there's depression that doesn't seem to be caused by inflammation is that a different type of depression are we talking about subtypes of depression here i see depression almost as a fever so if you measure fever if you if you put together 100 people with high fever each of them will have a different reason some of them will have an infection some of them will have a autoimmune disorder, some of them may have cancer, and some of them may just have stress. And depression is the same. It's something we can see and we can measure in people, but it is activated, it's produced in different people by different mechanisms. So I think this kind of 
inflammation-related, if you yeah. like, depression, is one group of depressed patients. Probably the one that tend to come from early exposure to life diversity mm-hmm. or perhaps the genetic predisposition through a genetically hyperactive immune system. So it's somehow a more biologically grounded forms of depression that comes as a, as a trajectory, as something that perhaps starts as vulnerability early in childhood. And maybe the depression that comes uh, as a one-off episode someone who encounters maybe bereavement later in life is a different kind of depression. Um, It's been described as one of the strongest discoveries in psychiatry for the last 20 years. That's a big statement from the BBC. Um, I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Why do you think this is considered such a breakthrough and differs from those previous approaches? There are three reasons why I think it's really important. First is actually a new idea. Yeah. We, we haven't had really new ideas in psychiatry for at least 30 or 40 years. All the investigations and research and new medication that we have developed have always been elaboration of old ideas and elaboration okay. of old drugs. So this is the first time that we have a completely novel biological model yeah. uh, to look at depression. Now, it focuses the attention from the brain onto the body. Okay. So it's a powerful message in terms of explaining depression not as just a disorder of the mind and in fact not even just a disorder of the brain but as a disorder of the whole body yeah so i actually think has a powerful anti-stigma yeah anti-stigma message and can change the way that people look at depression yeah it brings depression much more into the context of other medical disorders the third element which i think is really interesting is that we have things we can measure in the blood which we now know are correlated to the severity of depression, but also the outcome of depression. We also have drugs that affect the immune system, which we've been using and developing over many years Mm -hmm. through, of course, for use in autoimmune disorders and other inflammatory disorders and rheumatoid disorders. So we have, all of a sudden, we have a range of blood tests that we can use and a range of new medication that we can use for depressed patients, especially for those depressed patients that are not responding to the current available antidepressant. Cool. So you've talked, you talked a bit about how we know that it's not someone thinking about the fact that they have arthritis, for example, that's making them feel depressed. I was wondering what those tests looked like that you did to make sure that there was a distinction between that. Basically, what are the studies where you've looked at this inflammation and depression link? So we have, we've done quite a lot of studies in this field. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the hottest finding, uh, which we published uh, last year, uh, was when we measured some level of what we call pro-inflammatory cytokines. Now, I know it's a technical term. Yeah. but it's, you're going to have to. <laughs> <laughs> it, it basically are substances that are produced from the white cells uh, in order to, for the cells to communicate between themselves. Okay. And when they're elevated in the blood, they basically tell us that the white cells are activated mm-hmm. and they're producing more of these substances. Now, we took two separate samples of the press patient and we measured these um, molecules in the blood in before starting antidepressant okay. and then we we followed them up we followed the patient up to check who responded who did not respond to antidepressant okay now you have to remember that when you give antidepressant to someone who is depressed you only have one in two chances of that person responding to the first antidepressant yeah so the rate of success actually is not good no. and even after you try two or three or four antidepressants still maybe two out of three patients respond but you have one third of depressed patients that don't respond so we wanted to test whether 
you could predict the response to antidepressant by measuring the activation of the immune system in the blood. Okay. And that's exactly what we found. So we found in two independent samples that if the depressed patient had the highest level of uh, activation of the immune system, it basically had zero possibility of responding to a conventional antidepressant. Wow. Now, the, the reason why I think this is important is that at the moment the treatment of depression is pretty much trial and error. You walk into a GP clinic or you walk into my clinic at the Monte Hospital, mm -hmm. and if you're depressed, I can only just prescribe, you know, one of a handful of antidepressants. Yeah. They all more or less um, look the same and feel the same and have the same efficacy. Mm -hmm. If you don't respond after, let's say, two months, three months, I'll change to another one. Um, I'll wait another two to three months. If you still don't get better, I'll try a third one. Perhaps at some point I'll start combining more than one antidepressant together. Okay. So you may be spending six months, nine months depressed just because I don't know what is the best medication for you. Now imagine now, sometime in the future, a completely yeah. different scenario. You come to a GP clinic, you come to my clinic at the Monte Hospital, and I take your blood. I do a blood test, which could be either the one we've published or something similar, something along the same lines. Yeah. And the blood test will tell us, yeah, you're fine. Your level of inflammation is very low, so you will respond to any antidepressant. Don't worry, we're going to give you just one of the many available and you'll get better. Yeah. Or the blood test can say, well, actually, your level of inflammation is very high. There's no point in me giving you just one of a normal antidepressant. Let's step up. Let's immediately try a more assertive antidepressant treatment, perhaps combination of antidepressant, perhaps combination with an antidepressant and an anti-inflammatory. So it, it allows us to personalize the antidepressant treatment, to give the right treatment for the right person. So do you think this could mean that instead of people getting antidepressants, they're getting anti-inflammatory drugs? Or do you think we'll always be combining it? And I think we'll always be a combining. Yeah. What we think is happening is that inflammation makes the brain less responsive to antidepressant. Okay. So as we discussed before, if the brain makes uh, cells less able to communicate through molecules such as serotonin, and then you use an antidepressant that uses serotonin to improve mood, yeah. it's not going to work. But if you use an anti-inflammatory that brings the inflammation down, makes the brain responsive again to antidepressant, oh, then you treat it with the antidepressant and the patient gets better. Do you think this could be also a way of looking at prevention? Or do you think we'll always be on the treatment end of things? It's a very interesting point and a difficult question to answer. It will give us tool to identify people who are at risk. We know, for example, that if you have been exposed to stress very early in life, you develop a vulnerability to develop depression later when you're adolescent or young adult. It may be that in some individuals we can map this vulnerability by measuring the immune system activation early in life, let's say when children are growing up, especially if they are growing up in a context of stressors. Okay. The problem then is what do you do with that information? I don't think we should give medication to everybody. We certainly shouldn't give medication to people that have not been ill yet. Yeah. But we can certainly think about psychological intervention, resilience skills training, um, and also perhaps modification in the social environment yeah. that could alter the trajectory and make some people that would be otherwise destined to develop depression in the future change their destiny. 
I like that. <laughs> Change their destiny. Do you think then we'll ever have one biological pathway which we can say this leads to depression? A biological pathway is, a, is the mechanism by which information from the environment are translated into changes in your mood, in your mental health. Ultimately, whatever happens to you is always emotional and environmental. You know, you react to things that happens to you in the environment. Yeah. But those psychological challenges need a biological mechanism to change the brain. So biology, psychology, social sciences, they're not separate, they're not antithetic models. They all come together to explain why someone becomes depressed. And this is just one part of it which could be important in how we treat it. Absolutely. And as I said, it may be that not all depressed patients mm. have this pathway. It goes back to the question that you asked me at the beginning about what makes us resilient yeah. and vulnerable. I see stress as, um, you know, stress is a tornado that hits a house. Every house is different. Mm -hmm. uh, the, tornado is, the tornado is the same, but one house will perhaps collapse uh, at the door one house will collapse the roof, another house, uh, the window will be broken. Yeah. And I think that's exactly the same. The pressure that life's put on each of us is the same, if you like, uh -huh. in terms of stress. But some of us will have resilience mechanism. Some of us will have mental health difficulties that will bring us toward maybe depression. Yeah. Some other people may have mental health difficulties that will bring them toward psychosis or PTSD. Is all is always a reaction to the same tornado, you know, to the mm -hmm. same pressure from the life outside. But each of us will react differently. Except some people have more tornadoes than others. It's true. Some people have more tornadoes than others. But yet again, you have people that can go through one tornado after the other and remain functioning. Yeah. And some people that seems unable to cope even with the, the more normal range of um, human experience. One possibility is that some individuals are born with genetic predispositions, mm -hmm. so they have all the genes that makes your immune system more hyperactive. Yeah. And once you, if these people encounter a life event, mm -hmm. the immune system hyperreact because it's just genetically predisposed. Yeah. For some other individual, it could be more developmental, so they may have, they may have had a life event early in their life uh -huh. when they were children mm -hmm. that makes the immune system more hyperactive or more hypersensitive and then when they hit again later in life the immune system is able to respond in a stronger way. We have some data showing that exposure to stress as early as in utero so yeah. when you are in your mom's tummy yeah um, in the womb in the womb <laughs> it's it's enough to activate your immune system later in life right. so it kind of creates a trajectory again of immune system sensitivity so that then when the people encounter a life events maybe when they're adolescent or young adult they're higher risk of developing depression just because they were exposed to stress when the mom was pregnant what are the next steps for that research there are a few important questions that we need to address so first of all I've mentioned to you some of the mechanisms through which the immune systems could change the brain and induce depressive symptoms. This yeah. is still a quite superficial knowledge that we have. Mm -hmm. So we really need to understand at a molecular level, at a cellular level, down in the microscope and in the laboratory, what happens when an immune cells communicate to brain cells and how does yeah. that make, if you like, the brain cells depressed. 
So we're spending a lot of effort to uh, try to understand this mechanism. In a very cellular way. In a very cellular way, looking specifically in experimental models where we can look at how brain cells and immune cells interact. Yeah. The other things we don't know is, again, we have this general principle that an anti-inflammatory will be good for the depressed patient. And there have been some clinical trials uh, done throughout the world, usually with a relatively small sample size. Mm -hmm. We we are not 100% sure which is the best anti-inflammatory to use for depression. We simply don't know whether all the anti-inflammatories are the same. We are investigating what, what is the best medication for this kind of uh, condition. So, for example, we're doing a clinical trial here where we are measuring immune activation in the blood of the breast patient. And then if they, if they have elevated inflammation, we offer them a combination of an anti-inflammatory with an antidepressant. And what you were saying before about if I give you an inflammatory drug to help another part of your condition, do you think there's going to be more trials looking at that? It's difficult, that one, though, isn't it? Because you can't really, like, give a person um, an inflammatory drug unless they're unwell. Well, we it's interesting that you're bringing this up because we are trying to do exactly this in a much, obviously, in a much uh, more controlled and in a much more controlled way. So we're giving small dose of drugs that activate the immune system to mm-hmm. look at transient depressive symptoms. You know, we choose healthy individuals who are interested in participating in research and mm-hmm. we feel that there's no risk in associated with this procedure. Yeah. Uh, but that allow us to look at what happens in the brain of normal individuals when the level of inflammation goes up. Yeah. The problem in, in studying only depressed patients yeah. is that somehow you're down the process. You know, you, yeah, that's sometimes you're down the line saying, in yeah. the process. So you don't know what happened at the very beginning when the patient first, for example, was exposed to stress. And I feel like there's multiple ways that this could have a positive impact on not only people living with depression, but also stigma and potentially pharma companies showing more of an investment. From your perspective, what do you think about that? What are the you know, knock-on effects that this study could bring? The, the, all, all of the mm. ones you mentioned mm. um, and more. So pharmaceutical companies have lost interest in mental health uh, for many years now. So they're not really investing in producing new medications. Yeah. This area of looking at inflammation in the context of psychiatry, what, what is also called immunopsychiatry, has attracted the attention, at least some pharmaceutical companies, that are collaborating with the Wellcome Trust and the Medical Research Council to, again, fund consortium of scientists interested in this topic. Mm-hmm. So... I really think that between the availability of drugs for inflammatory disorders that we already have and research into new drugs, we will be able to deliver new medication for the depressed patients that are not responding today. As I've said, the, we, we also have the opportunity for blood tests that can help us personalize the treatment, yeah. tell us which is the best medication for the individual patient. Which is so exciting because before mental health has been you know, almost entirely based on self-reports, um, how people describe their own feelings and symptoms and stuff. So I think it would be really bring a lot of hope to people to know that there are other tests that can be done to help identify what they have and how they're feeling and what the best treatment is for them. Absolutely, and I think it will shift the public opinion on depression mm. from you know just a disorder of the mind or just a disorder of the brain into 
the notion of a disorder of the whole body like any other disorder. So for someone who's living with depression that might be listening, what would you like to say to them? I certainly want to say that this is an important breakthrough and uh, the way we are treating depression will change in the future, mm-hmm. perhaps even in the near future. Yeah. We are still at the moment conducting research. Yeah. What we don't want is depressed patient deciding out of their own initiative to take anti-inflammatory off no. the counter and combine them with antidepressant without discussing with their doctors. We always have to remember anti-inflammatory are medication. They have got side effect. If you combine them with an antidepressant, you have even more side effect. So we, so it's really important that if someone suffering from depression is listening yeah. to this, discuss about this option with their doctors, but don't change the medication independently. Yeah, we're still at the beginning stages, but this, I hope, brings hope to them as well. Absolutely. And if you have the opportunity to participate in any of the research projects that have been conducted mm-hmm. throughout the UK on this topic, please do so. Thank you very much for talking to me today, Kamane. And thank you to everyone who's listened. If you've been affected by issues covered in this podcast and would like to speak to someone about mental health, the Samaritans is available to call 24-7 on 116-123. Thank you.